Welcome to the 320th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida, and I believe I'm recovered from the Alamo City Ultra. I've had a pretty good week so far running. Um, did a swim last week, but um, didn't, get, didn't get my swim in this week because of some lightning this morning, but had some good runs, so I'm all excited about that. Next up is the Odyssey Austin swim run, so I've got to get in the pool, keep the running up, and um, yeah, it's all good. Done a lot of mobility work, so hopefully we'll stay healthy for the next couple of races. It's um, countdown for a bunch in the row. Before we get started today discussing a magic menu, I want to invite you all to join Addie Delaney Meinrich and myself for a webinar. Um, it'll be a Zoom live um, cooking and educational discussion September the 30th. You can go to drdelaney.com and get more information and get your tickets. It will get you access to the live Zoom conference, question and answer, as well as a week of questions and answers from us, and uh, you'll have access to the recording and, and slides that we use. So we're going to do fall menus. Um, we want to highlight some of our favorite fall foods that are fabulous, fantastic, and festive, as well as good for you. So look forward to that, and Sophia will be there. Uh, new cat Tony will not be there. He'll be at home. Um, but we will have Addie Delaney Meinrich live and perhaps a cameo uh, appearance from little Caleb. Who knows? So as I was waiting for my dinner to cook tonight, um, I thought I would peruse the Internet for quick and easy dinners that the standard American population might consume. And I just kind of wanted to see what's out there. I haven't Googled standard American diet or looked at any of that fare for quite some time because, frankly, it gives me indigestion when I see all the goop. But I thought I'd see what was out there because I've been having some discussions with uh, several people on menus and staying on the wagon. And that's kind of going to be the theme of today a little bit. But anyway, I went on to um, I Googled easy dinners. First of all, I don't consider them easy or quick. And, you know, I kind of giggled to myself because we make dinners and get them on the table in 30 minutes. Um, and we have a lot of recipe ideas in our cookbook and we do them in nutrition classes and they're not complicated and they're very healthy. But these, these I, I don't really see people doing them on a weeknight when they come home. But the theme was... Some piece of meat, whether it was chicken, ribs, or rib roast, or salmon, and all of them started with butter and salt and cheese and stuffed with things. I, I thought there was going to be a nice one with peppers, but then they put three kinds of cheese on it. And the worst one by far took butter and mixed it with salt and slathered it on top of a rib roast with a little bit of rosemary and thyme and bake this. So you have this, and they didn't trim the fat off the roast, so there was this fatty roast covered, I mean, like a layer of butter, like encased in butter uh, with this. And I, I, just, I just couldn't imagine uh, how many calories and the saturated fat and the indigestion and the coronary artery disease associated with such a meal. 
So nobody did vegetables and a potato and a piece of meat. It was all this goop-laden, cheese-covered, high-calorie, high-dense food uh, that people were consuming. And I assume that if they don't make it at home, that's something that they get out. So they're showing people how they can make this at home, maybe during COVID season. But um, I won't be going on those sites anytime soon. There were no redeeming qualities. Even the mashed potatoes were so... Um, calorie dense and oiled and buttered and you know there were a few green beans on the side and that was about all the vegetables so I looked at the fiber content of those foods it'd be um, you know much less than 10 grams for a dinner so if that's the norm no wonder 75% of the population is overweight sick fat and nearly dead um, and you know all susceptible to bad outcomes from from COVID it, it's just it just actually blew me away. But it goes along with a survey done uh, in Michigan where they took a poll of 2019 parents that had kids from 3 to 18 and they asked them about their food selection. 16% of the parents had fast foods uh, for them and their they and their children two times a week or more. 40% 40% said they were too busy to cook. 24% said they uh, it was less expensive to eat out or fast foods. 33% believed it was a good value. 33% asked their children what they would like. 72% thought it was a good option if they were stressed for time. 84% said it was okay in moderation. 85% also thought it wasn't that healthy. 88% let kids choose what they eat. Fast foods over two times a week. So obviously, if kids are choosing what the menu is, nutrition is not really coming into play much in these people that were surveyed, which again leads us to our problem. Personally, if I had to go get the ingredients for those menus that I showed you, it would be quite difficult um, to get all that meat for a family for a week, picking up a rose, picking up salmon fillets, picking up a bunch of chicken breasts, because that has to be done fairly frequently. The time it takes to prep stuff, clean up the kitchen, all that grease and oil. So I can see that if that's what people think they have to do at home to eat, then they probably say, what the fork? We might as well eat out. So if we're going to get more people to eat plant-based and eat healthy, we got to have a magic menu that tastes good, that doesn't take very long, that people like. They can get it prepared easy, it's healthy, and nobody moans or complains. And it's recognizable by children so that they're not appalled and don't run the other direction. The big question is why change? You know, why, why make the change anyway? Just keep eating out and, um, you know, keep getting bigger and just add medications and uh, be a victim of society. That, those are all options, but I, I don't think most people want that. They just haven't made the connection between what they eat and their health. If it tastes good, they can get it on the table and their kids don't complain, then that's a win for the evening. From what I can see on the internet, nobody knows what to do with vegetables. So people have grown up with the standard green beans or carrots or peas or one vegetable on the plate so they don't know what to do with it. Um, If they've had 
any other vegetable like eggplant, it's been eggplant parmesan. Something has been gooped or covered up. If they've had broccoli, maybe it's been block broccoli and cheese. But for the most part, people don't know what to do with the vegetables. So first, you have to start putting them into your into your rotation. So start by start with the color green. So let's get some green spinach, broccoli, broccolini, kale, cabbage. Green cabbage is, is really safe and easy. It's easy to throw in the skillet. It cooks quick. But get a green in. So pick one for the week. Pick one or two that you're going to have. Try it um, and, and put it in the rotation. Next, pick a different vegetable. So pick a vegetable that's not in the nitric oxide producing greens. So, you know, perhaps that, that might come in to be a zucchini or eggplant or peppers and onions, um, mushrooms. Those are, those are some what I would call ancillary vegetables that you're going to add color to your plate with. If you're used to everything having a sauce on it and everything having a goopy sauce, you know, with three kinds of cheese and butter on that, you're not going to replace that with a plant-based diet, but you're not looking to replace that because you're actually taking out a tremendous amount of calories and fat when you do that. And that's the goal of this, not to replace that, but to get rid of it. You can still do a sauce, uh, a light sauce, a garlic miso sauce or you can experiment with other other herbs uh, miso can be a base for your blender uh, miso and water and add other herbs will make it you know a, again a very light sauce if people are you know you're trying to do the transition and you want a heavier sauce great sauces made out of carrots and potatoes that make a cheese sauce um, adding a little bit of cashews what's going to it's going to put some oil into things so if your heart disease and you're looking to lose weight that's the ones i'd stay away from but there's some really good alternatives with carrots and nutritional yeast and potatoes um, that you can do a cheese sauce we like a cheese sauce made with roasted peppers that that are in a jar um, and again, so they're very light uh, that you can use to transition to being able to look at just a vegetable. Next step is your, you know, um, uh, potatoes and grains. So that you're going to add a little bulk to your to your menu. Uh, rotating sweet potatoes, white potatoes, rotating grains, farro, quinoa, rice uh, are good ways to start. Couscous. So, you know, put those into your, into your rotation. Uh, we give people um, handouts that they can use in menu planning that, that you have, like, you know, the words available to you. So this is like learning a new language. You have to have the words available to you to build your food vocabulary. Lastly, you're going to add a uh, bean, a tofu, a tempeh, something that's going to be a more dense source of protein for your meal. So when you look at the, the checklist, the first thing I like to do is look at a color checklist. How many colors do you have on the plate? We know that the more variety that you have, which can include your, you know, your, your, um, your garnishings and your herbs, so parsley and, and cilantro, they all count. But look for color. Look for the greens. Look for the reds, orange, yellows. Those are a source of your vitamins, antioxidants, uh, fiber, um, so that's, that's what you're, you're looking for. Um, color means healthy unless it comes in a box called charms or lucky charms or skittles or something like that. So we're not looking for artificial. We're looking for natural colors. 
If your plate is all brown, you probably have a problem. I've reviewed diets of uh, members that they first come and they'll be lucky to get 15, 20 grams of fiber in a day. Fiber is going to feed your gut microbes. Fiber is going to make your immune system more healthy. Standard American diet, 15, 20 grams of protein. I'm sorry, 15, 20 grams of fiber a day, maybe. We're looking for 40 to 80 grams. Um, again, that's going to help again, along with the vegetable diversity. It's going to help with uh, developing your microbiome. You know, even your animals need diversity. People have been told for years that, you know, dogs and cats eat the same thing over and over and over and over again. But they also have a gut microbiome and giving them the same kibble for, you know, six years usually leads to ill health. So, you know, we have to think about a variety in our animals as well. It's a whole different ballpark and a lot of the food companies, again, put things on the bag to make you think you're doing things, but you're probably not doing things right for your, your cat or dog. And I would refer you at that point to uh, other sources, uh, to more holistic uh, veterinarian sites um, that talk about dog nutrition. We go back to humans. We're looking for uh, approximately 10% of your calories from protein, 10 to 15% from fat, the rest from carbohydrates. The protein can go up depending on your stage of life. Children need more protein. Um, but we're not doing calculations every night. You know, if you had to do calculations every night, um, you know, this is not going to work. And nobody has before, you know. Uh, it, nobody looks at how much calcium that their children are getting in a day when they go through the fast food or they go through, they just assume that it's going to be all there. They just assume that in a piece of meat they're going to get a variety of of nutrients. But when you eat this way, it works out to 10 to 15% protein, 10 to 15% fat, and the rest carbohydrates. And if you get enough calories for your energy needs, you will get enough of these macronutrients. So for instance, an average American diet, average adult, 2,000 calories. Um, if 10% were protein, that's 200 calories. There are four calories per gram, that's 50 grams. Just by upping a little bit per serving, you can up the protein content. So if someone is looking uh, post-surgical or post-illness and they want to up their protein or they're doing a lot of workouts and maybe they think they need to up their protein, and we're not talking upping your protein to 40% of your diet. We're talking to up it to 15% or perhaps 20% max. That's, that's just adding a half cup more of quinoa or grains or a half cup more beans. That gets you seven or eight grams of protein in addition to, uh, you know, what you were doing. So it doesn't have to be a calorie-dense protein source. A lot of times, you know, I see on these sites, people talk about the, pro the, the protein in the meal or the protein on the plate. Well, when you add protein in the form of an animal product, you're adding protein in the form of protein with a lot of fat to it. So it's going to be more in the range of a, a, uh, a piece of animal protein is 70%, um, it could be 50% fat and it could be 40% protein. It could be, you know, 60-40 or 80-20, but it's still going to have a significant amount of fat, which is a significant more amount of calories to it. So it's a, you know, again, a source of overnutrition. Even when people start to go heavy on avocado, especially if they start to make it guacamole, two tablespoons, which is one ounce, which is a serving size, or 30 grams of an avocado is 50 calories, the majority of which is fat, so over 75, 80% fat. So you can add a tremendous 
amount of calories very quickly when you have a fat source. That also counts as oils and cooking oils. So if you're using two or three tablespoons of olive oil, you're typically adding three, 400 calories of, uh, of fat that you don't need or even taste for the most part uh, to your meals. But the bottom line, it, it needs to change you know, when we go back to kids want to pick what you let the kids pick what they eat or um, you're looking for convenience and less stress as the primary goal for your nutrition, that automatically takes the focus away from it being nutrition. It just becomes food. It just becomes calories. It just becomes an energy source. If we're going to prevent or reverse disease, we have to look at food as being that medication, uh, that source of nutrition that's going to prevent and reverse disease and make people actually healthy. You can live a long time, especially when you're young, with a few diseases in between on very poor food, just a caloric, you know, a caloric intake. Vitamins and minerals are sprinkled on cereal just like they're sprinkled on dog food, and kids get a basic amount of synthetic vitamins, and people are given you know, a one-a-day vitamin, and they think they have what they need, but they're synthetic vitamins that our body doesn't know how to use, and over time, people are going to get sick. So why the magic meal? Um, obviously, you have a goal in mind, and I, and I think that, that comes down to the basis of, of what you want. And we were talking in my office, want and need. If you want something, you find any way to achieve it. Um, the, the for instance that I'll give you is that my nurse uh, was building a new house. And we talked about she had a perfectly very nice house, but she wanted to combine um, some of her properties and live in one place. So ultimately, it might be more convenient for her. So she wanted to build a new house. Well, it was very, if you've ever built a house, there's a tremendous amount of hassles. Things don't go as planned, supplies, or so there was just problems every day for months and months and months with the construction of this house. There were a lot of issues that you would have said, well, wow, I don't even want to deal with this. I'm just going to stay in the old house. It's too much hassle. But she wanted the new place so bad And that was such a desire that she was willing to put up with the hassles that it took to finally get into her new house. The want was what was driving her. She wanted to get into the new house. That was her goal. On the other hand, if you have an illness or you're overweight and you need to get healthy and you need to change your diet, it's not necessarily something that you really, really want. You want it and you need it but it's not an overwhelming driving force. And a lot of people would disagree. It's like, well, of course I want to be healthy, but the pain involved in change and learning something new with a delayed gratification outcome can be very difficult. And so unless you're focused on a daily basis, it's easy to put that need behind for something else that's more tangible that you can see. People can't see health. They can't see that their nutrition change actually made a difference to potentially after the fact. Some people make some changes and they feel really good right away. Other people don't have that big of sensation of improvement. The weight's not coming off quick enough. 
they get dis- discouraged and disappointed and um, go back to their old ways. So there's 10,000 reasons not to do something that you want, but it's a lot of hassle. Often there's only a couple reasons why you need to and you need you want to, and the and the couple reasons for that want to being you know becoming more healthy, losing weight. So there's there's not this um, driving ten thousand reasons why you want to do this and all the hassles that come up. You just see them as hassles. You forget the long term goal of wanting to get into the house, wanting to get into a, a, a smaller size jeans, wanting to not take your medications. It, you, it's easy to lose focus when it comes to nutrition. And a lot of times people are driven or forced by other people or they feel a, a sense of obligation to change their ways to become healthy. So again, it makes that want not near as, as, as strong as the need to do something. Fear helps a little bit for just a short period of time. When people get a bad diagnosis, whether they've had a heart attack or just had a stent put in or they're just uh, you know, diagnosed with diabetes or perhaps a cancer, then there's this big, um, there's this, this desire, this urgency for health and wellness and you, you look at your mortality and it's like, I got to do something now. And so fear is a good motivator. But it doesn't last. Um, we've seen it for years and years and years in my practice from a cardiovascular standpoint that even with a bypass, you know, near-death experience, all the discomfort with being in the intensive care unit and chest tubes and all these different things, uh, you know, being on a heart monitor, it, it doesn't stay in people's mind very long. Um, six, eight weeks, once that scar is almost healed, people forget about the discomfort that is, was associated with it and typically will go back into their old ways. And the justification is, you know, it's like, well, I don't know how much time I have left. I might as well enjoy it. And so that thought can really um, overwhelm the, 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 the need for, you know, trying to change or, or the dedication to change is, you know, I deserve not to have to do this. I deserve to be happy right now. I deserve to have the weight to come off right now. I deserve to be able to live my life like I want it because other people are doing it. And I think we looked at other people thinking that they have something that we don't and we're being punished by having to change our nutrition for health when other people aren't doing it. The reality of it is other people aren't doing it and other people are not healthy no matter what their size. There's always a backstory that people aren't necessarily healthy. And so it comes down to, you know, the old saying, um, you know, Seth Godin has said it that, you know, people like us do things like this. It's back to the basics. You have to choose who your people are, who you want to be. People like us do things like this. People like us don't go through drive-ins. People like us don't eat french fries. People like us don't uh, put cheesy, buttery goop on things. People like us don't do things like this. Athletes, you know, they may be, they may, uh, it really irks me with the new Subway ads with Tom Brady and, you know, because he has been deemed the picture of health and the only thing they say that he doesn't eat on that Subway commercial is bread. And, you know, they, um, 
they kind of so athletes use you know while well, we we eat anything we want because we're athletes and we can do this because we exercise and it's not true professional athletes typically have very short careers because of their nutrition tom brady is not eating subway sandwiches um and but but we we start to look at things like that you know it's cool that you know papa what is it uh papa john's pizza with Shaq. He's, I'm sure Shaq is on blood pressure medicine. He's probably a diabetic. I don't know. have no idea. Um, but if he's, but it would be hard for me to believe that he does not have health problems at his size and age. So there could be 10,000 reasons and, you know, you have to make choices. You have to make thousands of choices every day of your life. In nutrition, there's a whole lot of choices. If you've ever done a fast, um, and, you know, water fast, so you're not doing anything but water for two or three days or longer, you realize how much extra time that gives you in your life. You're not thinking about food. You're not thinking about how to buy food, prepare food, serve food, clean up after food. And so it does. Feeding ourselves and nutrition is a huge part of our day. Hunter-gatherers that I talked about in a previous podcast in the book Burn, you know, they spend their whole day trying to find food. They're hunting and gathering, and, and so most of their existence is all around food. But we're not that much difference. You know, when we're trying to find 2,000 calories in a day, um, you have to think about it. So you're either thinking about it sitting in a drive through or thinking about it picking up processed food, but you're thinking about it. So you have to keep that focus on your needs and your wants as far as your nutrition a lot of a lot of um, a lot of time during the day. Best way is to plan menus. Again, get that magic menu up. Uh, we sell a giant magnet that we put on our refrigerators um, that, you know, you, you plan what you're going to have. You know that evening, you know in the morning what you're going to have in the evening. Um, you've got your lunch plan, so you've shopped accordingly because you know what you're going to have. Once you get good at it, um, you can have the staples that you usually eat and then just add to them. So we know the kind of beans we usually like. We know to have some, we know we are pantry stocked with beans and grains. Um, we have canned beans for times when we don't, uh, cook, the, you know, cook the beans. We have a combination of different color lentils, rice, pasta. So that's all there. It's a matter of restocking the vegetables. There's certain vegetables that we eat every week. I like kale, um, but you know sometimes in, collards are in season, so we'll switch off to collards. The greens for salad may vary from spinach to a mixed green to kale to arugula. It varies, but they're always going to be there. So I always know I need greens for a salad. Again, I always need the greens for my dinner. So is it going to be broccoli, cauliflower, broccolini, Swiss chard? Which is what's it's going to be? Mushrooms are um, incredibly important as far as cancer prevention. Uh, they're a source of vitamin D. So I'm always going to have them available. And then my other vegetables that we like, you know, what's in season? Zucchini, summer squash root vegetables, uh, it varies. Again, we're having a conference uh, webinar next week, so you need to go get your tickets now about, you know, fall, fall menu planning. So as the seasons change, your menus can change, um, but there's a variety of different vegetables that you can sub in every week once you have that down. 
but early on, so you don't do too many vegetables, it's good to menu plan so that you know what you're going to have. You know, most people have figured out their breakfast, um, figure out two or three or four lunches that you have, and then figure out some dinners and then rotate them and then, and then change them up. It doesn't have to be 20 up front. Find two or three that you like and then start to add to them. Again, as an FYI, we're going to show you how to use cranberries, quinoa, and sweet potatoes in a great salad uh, at, our, at our conference. Again, you can make gingerbread plant-based as uh, for desserts and, and treats for your family. So uh, there's a lot of different ways. To, uh, you know, you can change up your oatmeal uh, depending on the season. It's becoming apple season and pumpkin season. And so there's all kinds of different things that you can do, but you got to start out with the basics first and get comfortable. So what I often see is, again, you know, people have things that they really want and they'll do anything to achieve them. They have things that they need to do, but they put it off and have a thousand reasons why they don't have time to do the things they need to do. And then we have what we call what the fork, because that's when people do two or three days and then things go off balance and they say, what the fork? And they just go back to their old ways and revert and they can't you know, then they're just, they feel miserable. They can't feel, uh, understand why they're not making any progress. And it comes back to, uh, it's got to be a daily focus on the want, not the need. And I, and I think it's a mindset adjustment. If you're still in the, in the mindset where everybody else can do things, but I can't, um, it puts you in a penalty box. So it has to be a mindset adjustment that I have the opportunity to, and I can do that. And people like us do things like this. And you have to find somebody that you can look to or something that you can look to that's motivating. If you're constantly looking at people that eat a standard American diet and have poor choices as your benchmark, it's going to be very difficult to change. So somehow, somewhere, you have to find the group of people. And if you're listening to that podcast, you're, you're looking for a group of people that have a similar mindset, and people like us do things like this. People like us put nutrition as a means to health. And the reality of it is it's the only way to achieve health. Everything else is a Band-Aid. Those Blue Zone people didn't spend every week in a doctor's office. They didn't carry calendars around scheduling doctor's appointments. Everybody loves the stories of so-and-so was told he couldn't do this, but he overcame that to do this. The doctor said you couldn't, but you can. Um, they lost 100 pounds, ran a marathon, and yet they can't visualize themselves in that situation. On the other hand, these people that have achieved, it's not been a part-time effort. It's been a very focused, everything's about this goal effort. We start marathon training for someone that wants to do their first marathon maybe a year in advance and work their way gradually up in different stages. And, you know, there are different points of achievement along the way, but it's not let's wait till two weeks before the marathon to, to try to make a change. Some people have goals, you know, they want to go to a reunion and have lost weight or they want to be able to talk about, you know, their health with people that they haven't seen for a while and not be on any medications, but they keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off until it's too late and they say, what the fork? And then they, you know, they circle around again and there's a health scare and they want to try again. 
And, you know, it just goes back and forth, back and forth. But it's got to be a constant goal, a constant want that you are mindful about each and every day. And, you know, even if you apply it to your family, a constant goal to keep your family healthy. There's nothing more important in this time. If the pandemic has not shown people anything, it should show them that everybody has the potential to be vulnerable to an infectious disease if they're not healthy. The healthiest people did not have problems with COVID. End of story. The healthiest people did not have problems with COVID. They may have been sick. They may have had an illness for 5, 10 days, but they recovered from it. The people that had gotten to trouble are the people that have multiple risk factors. Yet the majority of people in this country have sat around and watched those risk factors stay like they are and actually have gotten worse because they have remained inside, they've been isolated, so now they're depressed and unhealthy. Fear needs to go away, and the goal needs to be constant. You need to train for your goal. It needs to be something that you're thinking about every day, every meal, um, and and. If you're the person that cooks for your family, it, it can't be a, it's too stressful. It's got to be a full-time job to keep your family healthy. Nothing comes before health. So sports, if sports have to go, sports have to go. But you have to be healthy. And maybe there should be a sit-down with your family that if people can't pitch in and eat healthy together or find a way around it, then you can't play sports. You can't do things. But it's somewhat ridiculous uh, to think that it can't be done because it's been done for years in a lot of households. It was done for years before there was fast foods. It's just that when you're driving home, the convenience and you get distracted by the big signs that say drive in, get something quick, fix something in a hurry. But for years, people have worked very, very hard, very long hours on the farm and still come in and fixed evening meals that were balanced and full. People didn't go, if you know, if you're working on a farm and uh, you didn't go to get in your car and go to the drive-in. So people have worked long hours, a variety of different ways, and come home and, and cook the meal because that was important to them, or perhaps that's the only thing they had an opportunity to do. I think I've addressed the cost paradox in previous podcasts when I looked at, you know, an Instacart from Walmart. Meat costs a lot, much, a lot more than beans. Uh, bags of potatoes can be very cheap. Large bags of rice can be very cheap. And then you have your extra money to spend on vegetables and fruit. The reason why fast food is so cheap is because, one, it's been subsidized. The meat, it can be, you know, from it's the cheapest refurbished meats that are available with all kinds of fillers and chemicals in it. Um, so it's cheap on the front side, but the back side is what you pay for with your health costs and going to the doctor and the antibiotics. So if people look at their blood pressure copays and then they add that on to the cost of fast food, then it's probably not so cheap. If you add it on to what it cost you and uh, extra clothing and all the, all the consequences of being overweight, um, it's not that cheap. Looking back on the Ultra uh, a couple of weeks ago and the variety of sizes and shapes and why are people out running 50Ks and 50 miles and marathons, and I believe it's because they want to feel alive. I think people are so cooped up and so much inside 
at a desk job doing the same old thing, feeling bad, that putting their body through something strenuous actually makes them feel alive. Uh, and it's a challenge that, it, you know, it scares people straight. If you sign up for a marathon or an ultra, it scares you into training to some degree. It keeps you motivated. So, you know, perhaps that's what you have to do to find, you know, your once um, is to find something that you put your goal out there, but it's on the calendar, it's on the refrigerator, it's every day you make yourself accountable to that goal. Uh, and, and I've seen it over and over again, it's achievable for every person. Um, there's, there's no special person that, you know, woke up and lost 100 pounds and ran a marathon or lost 400 pounds and, or 200 pounds and got rid of their diabetic medication. It took an effort. It took an effort every day, not just a part-time effort. So, you know, I'll leave you with the quote from my other grandmother that she said, if wishes were horses, then beggars would ride. That's an old-time quote, but basically if you just wish for something um, and, and wishes came true, then uh, life would be a lot easier. But, but we know that life isn't easy, and we can get what we want. We just have to define what it is we want and quit putting a need onto it and put a want onto that. And if we say we want it, then we're more likely to achieve it than if we just say we need it. So if you're serious, you want it. If you're not serious, you'll say you need to. I hope you have a good week. Talk to you next time. Don't forget to go over and get your tickets, though, for our, our webinar next week. We're going to be making some fabulous dishes and having a lot of fun for a couple of hours with us. So spend the evening with the dietitian Addie Delaney-Meinerch, and myself. We'll look forward to seeing you. Thanks for listening.